You're listening to Live Wild Radio, the part-time adventure podcast. Join us as we explore how outdoor adventures build mind, body, and spirit. And welcome back to the next episode. Uh, This is going to be the one where you listen to the end and you're going to find out who won our contest. The end? Yes. That sucks. We're not doing that. We're doing it at the beginning. At the end? Yeah. So they have to listen to the whole... We always fight. Yeah, Maybe. it's good. Make them wait. It's they, good. They got to listen to the whole. <laughs> they got to listen to the whole episode before they. Uh, All right. Yeah. Um, so before we get to today's guest, uh, I'm going to start with just sort of a, an interesting little uh, story because when Catherine uh, had come to me and said, "Like, do you know who Reg Smart is?" I sort of had this little pop in my brain of like, "Well, yes, I do," but then it reminded me we'd almost met. Somewhere like 33 to 35 years ago, but I was like a teenager riding my bike out to Melton to see if anybody would let me climb with them. And I know it was you because somebody had said it was you, right? And I'd heard of you. And then you guys came down and then I just sort of turned and walked away because I didn't have the balls as a kid to say, hey, hi, how you doing? Or even ask any questions. (laughs) So there there was that like sort of weird, you know, when she said, oh, like... We can do an episode with Reg Martin. It's like, hey, wait a second. I. <laughs> so, yes, basically one of the. Yeah, all I remember, because there was a couple of people watching um, and somebody, you know, said, well, well, well it's Reg Martin. And then uh, I remember the climb. I think it was maybe at Nemo. I'm not sure. Like, because it was, um, there was kind of like some roofy overhang. But that describes so much of the escarpment. Yeah, it does. It yeah. Ship, right. Okay. So, ladies and gentlemen, uh, this week. This episode, we have, you know, a piece of, you know, Ontario's climbing. I'm not going to say royalty, but, you know. You've you've been been saying that. (laughs) (laughs) When we've been plugging it. So, you know. I love this. It makes me sound important. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So, Reg Smart uh, has been part of the climbing scene like over 40 years now. Yeah, probably 43, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it's like you sort of span that late 70s into today. Yeah. Right, which is going to be a whole lot of interesting evolutions. Yeah. So let's just start with like, how did you get into climbing? Like a little bit of the backstory. Where did you come from? I well, grew up in Etobicoke, and uh, got through into climbing mainly because of my brother. And he went to a summer camp and came home. Said, "Forget what we've been doing, you know, backpacking, all that kind of stuff. This is really cool thing to do is climbing," and kind of got into it from there. And just kind of stumbled across it as we would just go pick up gear from hardware stores, meet people, and they took us in under their wings back then because there was very few of us. And then there was very few young guys doing it too. There was stumbled across um, Ziggy Isaac, uh, Dave Landman, Steve Landman, and a couple other guys. And there was maybe eight of us. And it was easy to be absorbed by all this sort of European expats and British guys. And they just brought us into it and told us how unsafe we were doing everything. (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, because we've read your brother's book. Yeah. um, Yeah. You know, uh, A Youth Wasted Climbing. Yeah. Yeah. Great read. Yeah. The the way that he sort of paints it is you came out and watched him and went the first time and went, no, I don't think so. (laughs) 
And then, then you know, like a year or something later, went back again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so. I um, decided to lead. Yeah, yeah, right away. Yeah, pretty much. I remember that too. Yeah, that was Pinocchio, the rattlesnake point. So, for those of you who are younger, who grew up with climbing gyms, this is not what any of us would recommend you do, which is go up to a cliff, essentially tie <laughs> tie in a, a non-stretchy rope around your waist. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I came in just at that period where. You were making your own swami belts. Oh, okay. And then yeah. the next year, you could find like a bunch of like actual like harnesses. Right. And it was like, oh, this is stepping up in the world. Yeah. <laughs> See, I remember we had these um, Don Willens harnesses. Yeah. yeah. They were terrible. Yeah. Like if you were not set right as a male, you really mm. did yourself damage. Just yeah. putting the thing on. Yeah. You know, because it was like a whole bunch of two inch seat belt material. None of the padding, yeah. all the shit that we have now. Or, or you had to clip the carabiner right down by your crotch. Yeah. Like, it didn't because make it didn't sense, have a didn't right? have a belay loop anymore. Yeah. Or yeah. like that they do oh my now. God. Yeah. And so, you had to tie into it. It's funny, like the gear that we sort of you know, you started before I did, but like the gear we started with up to you know, when you look at the sort of the stuff that we have available now, mm-hmm. um, it's like the fact that we all didn't die. Uh, you know, <laughs> uh, yeah. whether, whether it's the the ropes or, or just um, the equipment, like, yeah, like yeah. protection. Oh, some of it was so bad. You know, like everybody talks about hexes being really good. I never had a hex stay in decently in limestone at all. Mm. No, no, not at all. They just rattle out. And then I think there was this other terrible chalk stone things we bought called PEX. Yep. Do you remember them? They're yep. just cylinders with some sort of marking on the outside that maybe give grip, theoretically. Yeah. And it was pretty much like the toughest cable you could ever have. It never would bend. And they would always be pulled out by the rope. Yeah, like unless yeah. you're putting mega runners on everything. Yeah, but they were on sale, so yeah. we bought them. Right? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like the things that we all started with, you know, sort of that. Uh, I'll say like anybody before like 1990. Um, yeah. You know, because like I remember when I first went shopping for shoes, like actual climbing shoes, um, there was two shoes. Oh, okay. You had like, you know, because it's that mid 80s. So there was the Firays and then the uh, Sportiva El Mariachi. Okay. The the purple and yellow. Yeah. Everything was high tops back then. Yeah. Nothing was downturned. All of your shoes you bought, two sizes too small. So it would turn your shoe into a downturned (laughs) shoe. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I remember that when we were climbing, there was only EBs yep. and then Royal Robins shoes, and they were terrible. Uh, the EBs were good. They were like the shoe. It was like the Cadillac of all shoes. Mm-hmm. And I think what really changed the shoe development, because everybody seems satisfied with EBs, is EBs, the business sold and it changed its model. And so instead of having a rubber last around the front, they had a seam in the front. And that caused everybody to lose their minds like Mm -hmm. oh we lost grip it's terrible (laughs) and then that sort of i think as i can remember really opened the door for new yeah new shoes yeah because like it was that thing where boreal and la sportiva yeah you know but they each only had one shoe (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah. um when we did the episode with gus just in like melt crates you know just sitting in his climbing oh god he's probably got like 40 pairs of shoes oh i bet he does yeah you know bastard he's like a woman with how many i don't don't have that many pairs of shoes but he's got a lot of climbing shoes yeah 
Yeah. What does that make him? No, I, I think I think he, he might get like the first two in reviews. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, I still I still buy mine, so I'm really cheap. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think I think it's uh, with that sort of that thing that makes him smart. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, because I know they're almost all Scarpas. Yeah. Right? Oh, okay. Which uh, yeah. you know, okay. I think he gets for reviews or whatever. But, yeah. You know, either way. Yeah. So let's go back a bit. Let's go back to when you started. What was the climbing culture like back then? And what was your lifestyle like? Well, it was a different kind of, you know, there was groups of people. They had the expats, European, British guys, and then you had the Alpine Club, and then you had us. This is young group of guys wanting to get into climbing. And the culture was sort of of, you know, this isn't real. This isn't something you do as it's sport of itself, like rock climbing. It's something you get to practice for when you really get to go try Mount Temple or something, right? And we didn't see it that way because our exposure was through Mount Magazine, some of the early stuff about rock climbing, and a lot of the guys from the Lake District said, "Oh, you know, rock climbing's legitimate sport," and that was kind of how we got into it. But I mean, as a group of guys, our, our group really wasn't about rock. Like rock climbing didn't really bind us as much as where we came from, mm-hmm. which was kind of interesting. We mm-hmm. all came from suburban areas. Um, you know, we were kind of absentee and parents, kind of almost written off as a bunch of guys. And we just all sort of from different areas, Don Mills, Etobicoke, Scarborough, all just sort of gravitated to this. And there was Ziggy, um, Pete. Myself, Dave Lamon, Steve Lamon, Steve LaBelle, and we all came from these kind of lost boys since suburban environments, and it just kind of was more about where we came from, and then we found climbing together. It was kind of neat. And you all met at the crag? Yeah, we didn't know each other before. Okay. Yeah, everybody met there. So what drew you to climbing? I know David had been doing it for a few years before you got into it. Yeah. He introduced you to it. Yeah, he did. I don't know. It was the excitement of it. It was the the challenge of it. I mean, there was a lot of personal things. We, you know, you just kind of want to find something, you know, and be a part of something. But it wasn't that much. You weren't that conscious. It was almost, I really like this. This is adventurous. This is fun. It's athletic. I always did sports in school. Mm-hmm. And it was just kind of this is kind of fun. I don't, you know what I mean? Like, it's hard to describe. I think I know because yeah. um, I've always loved adventure or the idea of doing adventurous things because, and I like meeting those people because I find they tend to be open-minded, very yep. curious. They want to challenge themselves. They see the world as something to explore, you know? And, yeah. And I find them, there's that common, you often see that. Yeah, I think them. when we got into new rooting, I found that more of an adventure. That was like, exploring that was like we're off to these cool cliffs we're looking we're hiking we're finding them we're putting up new routes that kind of had that romantic marco polo aspect to it right Mm -hmm. but when we first met to start climbing as a group we weren't very conscious of the adventure of it it was something that we kind of needed you know as young males you just because how old were you around that time 18 17 17 yeah yeah looking for something to do yeah something something to do be a part of something a tribe yeah you know in essence pretty much that's how we were all looking for stuff and we were kind of good at it right off the bat and that kind of fueled that fire right like oh i can do this i keep doing this and i think there's a little bit of a competitive nature that causes you to think okay i got away with that one i'm going to try another one 
mm-hmm. then it defeats you. And then it's like, I'm going back to that one. Like it was this visceral thing. Like we needed to be a part of this. And this is some guys I can hang out with. And we're sort of, we were like-minded in the sense that we enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. And we understood where we came from. And mm-hmm. we had this massive amount of freedom. And mm-hmm. We could just get up and go away and nobody seemed to care. <laughs> you know yeah, what I mean? We, we, we like, were listening to Mark Sinet. Sonat? Yeah. Sonat. Yeah. Not too long ago in Kitchener, he was doing his tour and he was talking about how uh, back in, in that day, like his father would just drive him to this cliff and say, see you later. And, you know, yeah. <laughs> this kid's got a rope on his shoulder and never asked. Yeah. So basically, uh, they had some issue going up the climb and yeah, basically got like, stuck. Yeah. <laughs> and of course, some other climbers come up like they just give him shit. And it's like, what the fuck going. are you doing here? And they've, yeah, yeah. Stranded, they've stranded themselves on a ledge. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. just left them there because, you know, that was the day. Right? Yeah. That, yeah. It was your fault for being there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Deal with it. Fix it up. Yeah. 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 You should have read Royal Robin's Rock Crap. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> you didn't. You're in trouble. You know, but but the fact that like, like his story, like his first climbing trip was with a clothesline that they yeah. tied around, you know. And, yeah. Yeah. Because, That's very similar. Yeah. Because right? you need yeah. a rope. Yeah. But you need something between you. You weren't really knowing what the rope was supposed to be about. Yeah, Yeah, you you just know that you were tied together. Yeah. The whole concept of like protection and all of this kind of stuff. Like, because when I started, it was like ropes. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, What do we use them for? Yeah. (laughs) Like, because you're not setting them up at the top. And then, then, you know, when somebody taught me, you know, it's like place a piece mm-hmm. and then clip a whether it's a click draw a runner and then clip that to the rope and direction and, and you know oh complicated technical and aspects, it was like right? oh yeah and then if there's a whole bunch of these then you only fall this far and oh that's how it starts to make sense now yeah <laughs> you know well we didn't get that from our little group as much as we got it from other people mm-hmm. showing us the way yeah. Which was the interesting, interesting part. Yeah. And then there was a, as time went on, we found out about the other group in Hamilton, which was um, John Candorp and the DeMaio brothers and uh, Peter Zabrock and Chas Young. That was the kind of the Hamilton group. They started a little later than us, I think. But Because if you, if you go through any of the uh, like Southern and Northern escarpment guidebooks, like these are all the names you see. Yeah. Right. <laughs> from yeah. All the routes being. Yeah. Put. Yeah. Um, and it, it is, it's kind of a fascinating thing. The idea, you know, for anybody who's started climbing in the last, say, 15 years, you go out pretty much every inch of the cliff. If there's a doable line, it's done now. Mm-hmm. You know, at least any of our Southern Ontario yeah. stuff. Um, but when you guys started, there was still a lot of stuff wide open. Oh, um, incredible amounts. Like we would go to Buffalo Crag and there'd be vines on the cliff, like where Babyface was. Oh, okay. You know, and I remember going, looking at it, there was vines on there, and there was actually, in that little divot at the bottom, a turkey vulture nest. Mm. And I said, oh, I'm not coming back here. Came back later, and John Candor pulled them down, I guess, and did the route. So, I mean, it was kind of like that. It was really open. Lots of exploration to be done. Lots of stuff. I mean, that was just around melting. Did you ever live in the forest? Live in the forest? Yeah, we slept it, on the ledge a lot. To, yeah. to oh, yeah, yeah. As much as possible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, if you're we didn't camp. We slept on the ledge because then you could hide away, right? Yeah. yeah, and you didn't have to pay. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is kind of a totally different layout, Rattlesnake Point, then, because there's that road that came down the side. Yeah. And I guess they blocked mm-hmm. that off now or something. They're down in the valley? No, on the top. Oh, yeah, yeah. So yeah, where yeah. the gate was, yeah. if you go by, you can see remnants of it. Yeah. And you used to be able to go down there and then park and then hop the fence and run in. Yeah, because we, we also never used pay. to do, 
the end of Walker's line. Yeah, go across from Buffalo. And then hike up there, yeah. Yeah. Just past the Buffalo pen. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Now there's no Buffalo there anymore. No, it's sad. And we never trusted going through the Buffalo. Did you ever try running through the Buffalo? No, we went went around it. Oh, Oh, yeah. They were too scary. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, like, even basically because the, the trail that goes around it was worn in pretty well. Yeah. But... Um, it, it's a heavily treed area. Yeah. So we're, we're making our way in and we come around a corner and then like literally against the fence is a whole herd of fucking buffalo. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. Like, oh, oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. You know, like you'd, you'd seen them from up above. Yeah. But I've never seen them from like six inches away. They're pretty impressive. Yeah. And then I've heard stories of people that would try and cut across the pen and then they'd be chased. But yeah like yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, that, that kind of resonated really well it's like yeah i'm not trying that yeah like there's the extra there's, 10 minutes i'm walking around yeah there's yeah. a lot of dumb stuff i've done but that's not one of them yeah like, yeah uh, i was always surprised though because you know we we ran into the thing of all of our climbing in southern ontario mm-hmm. is all within really one uh conservation authorities right because Grand River doesn't allow any, either the Allura Gorge or Rockwood. Oh, right. Yeah. So we know people climb, you know, the caves yeah. at Rockwood, yeah. but, you know, it's never been, uh, you know, officially allowed. Yeah. Was it officially allowed for a while, then closed or something? Like like Eugenia? Yeah, way back yeah, in the day. Yeah, yeah. Okay. You know, um, because it was... It wasn't that it was allowed and then closed. It's just nobody mm. thought to... That to close anybody, it. Yeah. No. Oh, okay. And they <laughs> found out and then they closed it. Yeah. Mm. Because it's the same thing, like down um, St. Catherine's Way, mm-hmm. there were some sections, but oh, they're sure. all closed as well. Yeah, they're all closed. You know what sections? Around Ball Falls, probably Rockway Glen. Yeah, probably in yeah. there. Yeah, you know, so you'd have a few places yeah. that would have been other, uh, you know, climbing areas here in Ontario. Right. But essentially, we've got probably in the Niagara Gorge. You know. Yeah, like the strip. Yeah. I did some stupid free soloing there. <laughs> you know, on like loose shale. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. You know where the aerial cars are? Yeah. Yeah, you're kidding. as they're coming um, towards, I guess, closer to Niagara Lake. I was yeah. just climbing up that. The People were like, what are you doing? Yeah, that's a bad out. idea. Yeah. 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 yeah we always. ice climbed there once, my brother and I. Yeah. Yeah. Saw these pinnacles and we wrapped down. It was really hard. Steep, got across, got up, pulled our ropes as the sort of lights coming out and some guy is running by in a conservation sort of uniform going hey you guys and we like thought the game was up he looks and says have you seen anybody climbing he said yeah down over there <laughs> <laughs> it's like like there's two young guys with packs on we didn't have rope out yeah like who else would it be yeah you know and we pointed at him he said thanks and ran that way <laughs> we, we booted out of there well that's a, that's the thing because like I, i've done Maybe twice at Webster's Falls in the winter. Yeah. You know, because like half the time it's just like the most abhorrent, chossy shit for <laughs> yeah. ice climbing because it doesn't, mm. we just don't get cold long enough yeah. very often. You know, we had one year, like both twos and Webster's, basically just like beautiful ripple ice on like solid. Yeah. And it wasn't just all like almost like, you know, birthday cake icing on yeah. top of everything. Mm-hmm. Um, well, in the early 80s, it used to freeze a lot. Yeah. Like, we'd go there and climb quite a bit. And yeah. now, yeah. now, like, basically... No, not going to get it. Yeah. Rare, if any. Yeah, like, you, you really look in Bancroft or... Oh, you have to, yeah. Quebec is amazing for ice climbing. I've yeah. climbed a lot in Quebec. Just incredible. You know, 
Well, and that that's sort of that thing that uh, here in Ontario, other than like the escarpment, and I guess further up north, you might get some frozen waterfalls, and we yeah. get some half decent granite if you're yeah. willing to drive far enough. Yeah, but we really run into that thing where we're partially spoiled because we have like close half decent climbing, mm-hmm. but all the big stuff is far, far away. <laughs> yeah, really <laughs> you know? far yeah, away. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and really undeveloped too in, in Ontario, like the old Goma area. I mean. It's really hard access, yeah. and there's not much there yet. You know, because you know? basically for for big stuff, yeah. like I know those guys in Sudbury are climbing a lot, and that looks like a great area, but it's still cragging and stuff. Yeah. But for mm. big stuff, I think it's yeah, because I know really difficult. Um, and I just I never made it up, but like Gus invited me to go to the eyeball a couple of right falls ago, um, and it's one of those things. It's cool, like a four hundred and fifty foot cliff. Yeah. But it's in the middle of fucking nowhere. It's really hard access. Yeah. 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 It's you complicated because there's a gate and the family only opens it at certain times. And then now you have to pay. Mm, and do then, you? Yeah, yeah. So I well, get it. Pain. I'm fine with pain. Yeah. I like pain because there's a mm-hmm. clear transaction. Like yeah. you're going to let me in. You're going to let yeah. me out. Yeah. Opposed to just sort of like, eh, it's an obligation. Maybe yeah. we'll be here or not. Right. Danello has developed and found, I think, close to 70 cliffs around there. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, really worth researching and seeing what he's done. Because I think the eyeballs in Riverside, where my brother just put, and I put, and John Candor put up that route, is a great area, but the logistics with the gate and where to stay mm-hmm. is so problematic yeah. that it kind of holds back some of the... Uh, the logistics of the ease of it getting in there and stuff yeah. like that. So we'd really like to look at figuring out where these other cliffs are and how good they are, mm-hmm. you know, because there's a lot of them. Danello's found 60 plus, I want to say. I probably he probably even more yeah. cliffs yeah. of substantial height. Wow. And how you know? far of a drive is that from here, from Collingwood? Um, Ish. Blind River area, Elliott Lake. What are we going to say? Six and a half hours. Yeah, yeah they're going to stop seven. No, no stops and yeah, no traffic. Just flying yeah. right through. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's going to take you seven hours solid. Okay. Yeah, it, it's yeah. Dax Iron Bridge. Distance. Yeah, yeah, it's the same as the yeah. Adirondacks. Yeah. How many roads have you put up ish? Where? Anywhere. Anywhere. Oh, anywhere? Yeah. Like no idea. Yeah. I've never counted. Yeah. Yeah. Because we, we were yeah, thinking it was weird. like, you know, on the drive over, you're either like a meticulous note taker or it's going to be. I don't know. I just yeah. put up roads and I can learn them. That's, yeah. that was the I'm not intention. that meticulous with you that. You weren't doing it for others. You were doing it for like, let's explore this. Let's do it. Yeah. And you leave your, your pitons or your anchors. Yep. Or your bolts yeah. behind, right? Yeah. 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 It all depends when. Like, I mean, when we started climbing in, in the early days, it was that pure adventure. There's stuff here. You know, we were looking for crack climbs because we wanted to emulate mm. the Yosemite thing. And then when we started climbing in Yosemite and meeting a lot of the European guys saying, well, you know, we bolt our limestone. And then you kind of learn about that and the techniques for that. And it just opened. You come back and you look at a blank wall and go, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. You know, how much time did climbing take of your life from 18 and onwards? Like, did you take time off of like other stuff? Like, you know, that's all we did. School or. Yeah. Yeah. We had time to eat maybe. Yeah. Yeah. For how long? From 18 to when? Oh, I guess until about 23 to 24. Oh I went to went to university. Okay. Yeah. For what? Um, 
just to avoid life. <laughs> just, just, just to enjoy it. Like it was like, okay, I know what's next. I don't really dig that. Yeah. You know, I'm enjoying climbing and I'll go to school and I'll figure it out. Got it. So yeah, I spent well, a lot. That school was near a crag, right? No, it was U of T. Oh shit. Yeah, downtown. Yeah. Oh man. Not near a crag at all. Okay. But it still enjoyed ourselves. Like, you know, I, w- I was a terrible student. Like I would sign up for five courses, you'd get your grants. And then just before, you know, you'd get academic penalty, I would drop two or three of them. Yeah. I could never do five. I always only did four. I don't know why. I just couldn't handle it. No, I enjoyed doing two and a half. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then train and climb and yeah. just yeah. prolonged it. And then I started and my brother helped me too with it was the uh hard house rock climbing club and then worked at mac and then we would teach climbing and oh, okay just drive around and bought an old pickup and nice yeah just so you just went- dragged that beautiful part of life for as long as i could oh my god i think my undergraduate took me almost seven and a half years did it really <laughs> yeah i enjoyed it <laughs> That's terrible right. student but i enjoyed yeah, it yeah yeah and then near the end i had to get serious and so what did you then, graduate from then uft no, but what program? It was all over. I was doing arts, and then I had to focus on something, and then it's I like, industrial relations and economics. Okay, is yeah. that any relationship to what you're doing today for work? Or yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. there you go. Yeah, there you go. It, it worked <laughs> it out. For your it worked out, but it took five and a half years for me to figure yeah. out I should focus. But yeah, I don't regret any of it. I enjoyed it. Yeah. And then yeah. we bought property. I bought property up north, um, north of Wyarton during that period. Okay. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. To climb at Lion's Head and nice. yeah, and then he wasn't a climber really; he's a geologist. Hey. Oh, yeah, yeah. But very interesting. Yeah, rocks. You have a love for rocks. Actually, I love rocks. I bring back rocks on every trip I come on. <laughs> I know. It's sand. fun. I always have rocks. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we were in the Yukon, so I brought back black sand from going from uh, Dawson to um, Inuvik. Oh, okay. I don't know if you've ever yeah. done that drive, but that's really cool. Um, yeah, Australia or just wherever. We tend to go to places Coral. that have rocks. Yeah. yeah. So it's easy to find. Catherine's always coming home with something. <laughs> Some rocks. Oh, yeah. Especially when yeah. I did my first Balti climb. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. You got to take a rock from there. I did. Yeah. I brought yeah. a couple of rocks. But anyway. You know, so yeah, it's all red, good. red Rocks is a little smaller now. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, when you started at Mac or at the co op, mm-hmm. um, was the culture changing already for climbing? Like, did you see? Oh, yeah. It was already, it had changed quite a bit. Was that when the Bolt Wars were going on too? Or, um, I guess. I mean, my brother bolted, the first bolted climb was Moby Fly. Okay. And that, you That's know. Cow Crag, right? Yeah, Cow Crag. And were you guys more about bolting or trad? Like, what was your thing? Um, again, you get into this sort of thing, like, you're just spinning into this whole thing like what should we do where yeah. we're we going with it what's it all mean it's about the climb not yeah the, it's about the climb it yeah. wasn't you know and then there was always these people saying oh that's stupid i could do it by trads like good luck yeah like you know whatever and i think peter riley tried it but you end up climbing way off to the left putting cracks and moving mm. back and it became kind of obscure really it's this okay. sort of thing it, it isn't and then i think with moby fly it set everything in motion like it's a legitimate way of climbing this cliff when it's blank, especially limestone. And it wasn't that we were against it or for it or anything like that. Yeah. It just made sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But technically, you know, there may have been drills, but we didn't have any. And mm-hmm. we just got the star drives, put them together with washers and mm-hmm. banged away and twisted yeah. and did hand drive bolts yeah. as and then often times, as we could. And then you said at the times you mixed the two. 
yeah, just do the climb. And yeah. and the other part of it too is, you know, it sucked putting in those yeah. bolts. Yeah. It really did. It was yeah. effort. It was boring. It'd take you an hour. You know, you're hammering away. Some were softer, some were easier, but Yeah. Yeah, when you when you think that now with a cordless drill. Yeah. People can bolt a proper, you know, like to today's modern standard, like of a yeah. sport climb. And especially if you're just putting expansion bolts in, yeah, you know, you don't even have to prep them quite as well as you would if you're gluing them. No. Uh, but it's one of these things that takes, comparatively, you could probably put three or four bolts in in the time you hammer one in. Yeah. You know. Oh, yeah. Like, I mean, look at the... Uh, bullets for breakfast in Algoma. What do we have? Sixty bolts on that, and over two weekends, mm. you know, five pitch climb. Yeah. You know where we would spend a better part of a weekend bashing about six bolts in somewhere. Yeah. You know, or eight bolts, and then probably get a few of those wrong. Yeah. And then you're just like, oh, I'm not doing it again. Just yeah. leave that bad clip. And then yeah. <laughs> where, when I think that's half the reason why, like you guys had a reputation, like you in particular, of being a very bold climber. Right. Right. Oh yeah, and some would even say brass balls. That was Gus. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> um, uh, but but you know when you think of it, it's like how much of it that was dictated by your personality versus how much of it was dictated by the technical limitations, where you sort of went, I- I'd love to protect this better, but it's just not there. So fuck it, I'm just going to climb it. Yeah, a combination of both. I think in my case more personality. Mm-hmm. You know, I enjoyed that kind of try you yeah. know and and i think physically too that some people i know i know that would climb with me or knew me back then a lot i had great stamina like i was just lucky i could mm. hang out and it wasn't that i would just be flowing up at like you know magic or anything a lot of times i'd just be shit scared and i could hang out forever hmm. and, th- and that was a, kind of a, a lucky break right because you could get up there and go this sucks i don't know what to do yeah and you just hang out so you did it, get scared oh yeah do you still get scared now? Oh, yeah. That's amazing. So being somebody who was always afraid of heights, yeah. I didn't realize that other people who rock climb are also scared. And so when I heard that, I felt well, better. If it didn't scare <laughs> yeah. you at all. It's like, how you control it. Yeah. 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 Where you put it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like if, if it didn't scare you at all, there'd almost be no point in doing it. Not that you're doing it yeah. only for the thrill, but. It could be more for the technicality. Like, uh, can I actually, a skill, can yeah. I do it? Not the you mental, know. right? Yeah. But, but if, if, if it's ever in your head, can I do it? Then there's part of you is scared. No, I can't. Which is where then that fighting with your own fear yeah. comes in. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe in the early days, more so, and some hard trads and, you know, trad climbs, you're kind of up there debating life, right? Yeah. Going, oh, my God. <laughs> 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 you know, why did I do this? Why you know, am I here? How am I getting out of here? You know? <laughs> I'm never but, fucking doing this again. <laughs> Yeah. Until you, until you make it out. Yeah. <laughs> and then you're like, then, oh. then it's like, okay, I'm going to do that again. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, that kind of goes away or matures in a sense that, you know, when you get up there, you get a, you, and then also your climbing matures too. You get better at it. You get stronger and you know where to place things mentally and you're, you become less scared as more aware, if that makes sense. I think one of the, key points that people run into is that dealing with fear is a skill, right? And so any skill that you practice regularly, whether it's climbing, whether it's, you know, learning how to manage fear, you just get better at it, right? Like you, you learn how to, just as you learn how to, you know, look at a crack and put the right size piece in the first yeah. time yep. rather than fucking around and fumbling yeah. around, yep. you know, your brain starts producing those fear signals 
And you just, just like picking that perfect size for that crack, Mm -hmm. you're able to, oh, it's this. So then I move it over here and I move over here. And then, you know, like you're just sort of, without even having to think about the fear, Mm -hmm. you manage it because you've developed that skill. Or you do one of the things I always do, which is there's probably some little kid that's climbed this. I'll be fine. That's pretty like cool. it's, it's That's a, a weird, funny way to look at it. Yeah, I but, like that. Yeah. <laughs> but I've run into that, like, yeah. even, like, you know. You always say that. Yeah. yeah. It's like, oh, some kid's done this. Now, of course, the kid could be, you know, the, the 10-year-old Adam yeah. Andra, but. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, but, but having that thing in your head that it's like, you, you know, at some point, like, um, kids and uh, weekend warriors have done something, even if it's a little bit scary when you're right. doing it. You yeah. Know, no, I can definitely do this. Yeah. So, you know. so what's been your best or pretty memorable <clears throat> scary moment? Oh boy! Or type type two fun. <laughs> <laughs> the, kind, the kind of words. I don't to know. Talk I don't. I try and avoid those now, right? Yeah. You know. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's a whole maturity and age thing, like <laughs> <laughs> enjoyment to everything now. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Um, boy, you have to make me think. There's a couple times I know. In Yosemite, once was climbing. I can't remember the name of the climb. Um, my brother would remember because he's blaming. He was scared shitless as I was getting up there. I was tired, I was trying to put in the crack, uh, the nut. I couldn't get it. I'm fumbling it, I'm just shaking out. It's looking really bad. And I knew that it was a couple moves. What was the risk if you didn't get it and you fell? Oh, I think like a 40, 50 foot fall. Okay. And I'm up there and I just go, fuck it. I'm not wasting time. I just went for it. And I could hear him like and feel his whole vibe like like don't fucking do it. Like just get the nut and I went for it and it all worked out. But like what would have been the risk of a 40 50 foot fall there? Oh, it would have been bad depending on what you swing yeah. or hit. No, you straight hit, you down, would, hit the you ground. Would hit something. You'd hit the ground. You'd hit the ground. Hit the ground. Oh shit. Yeah, it was the first pitch. Just, what? 40 50 foot? Yeah, yeah just like <laughs> I couldn't get the nut in, and it was like all falling apart. It's either I fall here trying to get this nut, or I fall making the moves. And I'll just pull it together. And I kind of remember that consciously as a kid, and it kind of worked. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's like, hmm, I'm going to try this more often. <laughs> Not great logic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 no. Was this early in your climbing career? Yeah, very early. <laughs> oh, fuck. Like, I think first time to Yosemite. Yeah. Was it really? Yeah. Mm. And I mean, there you... was a lot of weird mystical things back then, too. I don't, um, mm. like Zen and the Art of Archery was a book I read and thought, oh, yeah, it's going to help me solo and go for bold stuff. And then there was uh, Carlos Castaneda books. I don't know if you ever heard of them. Yeah. Yeah. That whole kind of weird sort of get your head in the right space thing. And, it, you know, you read them and go, oh, this is kind of hippie crap. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how that works for me. Yeah. And what was it like going to Yosemite? Was it like, I'm, I'm on this, I've got it? Or was there a bit of a, you know? Imposter syndrome yeah. going, I, I don't belong here. No, no. It was like, we got to get going. Yeah. Nice. Like, we climbed as often as much as we could. It was like, okay, we're here. Let's go. Yeah. Let's you know. just go. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There was, you know, and then talking to people and relating to people right away. And you know, we kind of fit in right away. How long did you stay there? First time, not long. I think we were there three weeks. Went down. Brian Hebert went down with him. Mm-hmm. We yeah, we went down in his what was it station wagon, and then we towed a trailer and it had all our stuff. There was my brother, 
Brian and Jerry Banning came with us, and we had a trailer full of stuff, and we had this crazy idea that two guys would stay up and make coffee out of the cigarette lighter, and you'd just drive, and then the other two guys would lay in the back and sleep, and every, that's why everything was in the trailer. And we just go until we get there. How did that work out? I can't remember. It, <laughs> <laughs> it worked. We didn't crash, yeah. but... It's one of those things, you know, you get there and you know, how did, how did I get here? <laughs> you know? I don't remember anything. Yeah, I remember, have... I remember going across the border at Windsor and the rest of it's a blur. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Do you remember that first time you drove through the tunnel and you see? Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. Seeing El Cap's amazing. Yeah. Like, like coming down into it and it's just awe-inspiring for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I haven't been there in a long, quite a while. But, I mean, when we first went there... We were just possessed, you know, like we'd go places and, and the awe-inspiring beauty of it, we, we didn't care. It was like, okay, where's where's these buttress L cap? Okay, where's the nose? All right. Hmm. Okay, good. Where do you think we start? Yeah. Like, it, like we we're kind of, yeah, just possessed with the idea that we got to get up this stuff. Yeah. Like it almost, the beauty and the, how gorgeous it is there didn't register for a while because yeah. it was just like, uh-huh. okay, tomorrow we're going to climb. Where do we go? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like yeah. kind of a mission that you... Oh, we were just, yeah, we were just possessed. And we didn't really... I don't think I really understood Yosemite or what we did until the second or third trip when you kind of take a breather and say, oh, I can do this now. It's like, hey, this is pretty cool here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this mm. is beautiful, yeah. you know? Yeah. Yeah, when I guess... Yeah. Because guess... when you're young, you just want to get it done. You yeah. want it under your belt. Mm-hmm. You, you know? want to finish it. You just want to accomplish it. You just want to, you know, like... I remember first try at Washington column. It was a disaster. We couldn't get the haul bag up. We weren't figuring things out. We had too much stuff in it. We should have broken them up. Came down. We are totally defeated. Talked to some people. Figured it out. Went up the next day. You mm-hmm. know, and just keep going. Just, yeah. Yeah. Well, that that's the thing yeah. that a lot of people don't But that's realize. youth, like, right? Yeah. I think, yeah. You're just resilient. It's like, and then when, you know, obviously with things like big wall climbing, yeah, it's this whole different beast. Like technically, you yeah. can be like the strongest climber in the world, and you're fried by after you know after a few pitches after you've been hauling your whole bag. Oh yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah, and learning how to do that right, and water, and balance, and speed. You know, I can't say I ever really good, ever good at aid climbing, but we were like doing a lot of that sort of speed free climbing. Yeah, not like it is now. Yeah. Like it was just make as many moves as you can, go between pieces, leapfrog the pieces. Yeah, just move. Yeah. You know, yeah. And now, now you get, you know, Alex and Tommy, mm-hmm. wild doing that ridiculous. That's crazy. That's know? so impressive. Like yeah. sub two hours. Yeah. Uh, you know, speed speed climbing though is like it's kind of like free soloing. That if you do it long enough, eventually you're either gonna mm-hmm. break both of your legs, yeah, uh, or <laughs> die. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Like it's because eventually you get to a point. Especially Something with, happens. That it, when you, and you've yeah. got to, to be any faster, you've got to cut the margins so thin yeah. that eventually something's going to go. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah, it looks that way. You know? Yeah. Because it's one of those things. Like when you watch that documentary with Tommy and uh, Alex doing the speed record. It's insane. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's crazy. It's like, oh, we'll just put two pieces every hundred yeah. feet. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> just their, their ability and strength. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's so amazing. You know? And... Uh, basically the the 80 parts that they they both be able to free climb but it'd be too slow yeah it's, it's like 
mass right through it. Yeah, just like yeah. swinging from. So, what do you think has shifted aside from t- gear technology, right? From the talent when you were climbing, right? And mm-hmm. the talent today. Is it just access to gyms gets people in sooner? Training. Training. Training was a big one. Yeah. Like, you know, my brother climbed with him. I didn't. It was Wolfgang Gollick, but we talked to him a lot and his partner and then realized how much training and all the French guys back in the 80s, how much training they did. Like, we would climb to train and think that was the way to do it, but they were really sophisticated in mm-hmm. how they'd get their finger strength and how to do their strength training and everything. And it was all done scientifically in a way really? it was then yeah. like doing period training what you're doing for your strength when you're doing your endurance and this was like mind-blowing to us and it, and it kind of related to when you think oh shit yeah we used to do that in sports stuff mm-hmm. huh maybe we should do some figureboard stuff yeah. you know and look into all this sort of training mm-hmm. that was the big thing realizing there's people training mm-hmm. and then gyms came along you know after that but even before gyms, I think, in Europe, training was a big part of it. Like, you could actually get a lot out of not climbing. Yeah. And training. You know, because it, it, it sort of goes with anything. Like, if you're stronger, you're mobile, more mobile, yep. you've got better endurance. Mm-hmm. Um, and those can all be, like, targeted with some form of re- resistance training. Yeah. In a way that, you know, sport-specific training, you know, might not be able to pull off. Yeah. Um, but specific training to the sport, yeah, you know, especially in climbing, they were doing in Europe, Germany, and France was mind blowing, you know. Yeah, and then it becomes one of those things that you end up doing those one finger pockets and yeah, you know, figure fours and putting your feet over your head and yeah. <laughs> inverting in cracks and you know all that kind of very athletic acrobatic stuff. Yeah, that you know the 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 tweed jacket crowd wasn't ever going to do no they'll never do it i mean the first climbing gym and i think in canada i mean well uh rockheads was that but there was a, a christian community center at um gerard and parliament and they had a wall and they took some two by fours and put some screws in them and up on the kind of like behind the basketball net sort of thing and it had some plywood with some fiberglass on it and things like that. And they let us come in there and we'd climb a little bit. And they weren't really set as real roots, just mm-hmm. plywood on this over hanging plywood thing. Yeah. And that kind of worked for a little while. But I think one of us went behind and started smoking weed and they hated that and they kicked us out. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. And I guess, yeah. That, I guess that's part of the thing. It's like when you're, when you're in a sport that's almost like a counterculture thing to start with. Yeah. And then, you know, essentially the Europeans decided to take it seriously. Yeah. Which then, if you want to climb at their level, means you have to. Yeah. You know, it becomes sort of like this battle between the the fun um, rebel side of it. Yeah. And then it's like, yeah, but I got to get enough sleep and do my pull-ups. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. But I don't think it ever stopped them from drinking or smoking a lot of weed. No. No. They kept it up. Yeah. Some of them. Well, they play but, hard, work hard, play hard. Yeah. yeah. That's usually their culture. Yeah. So what do you think of the culture of it today? Oh, it depends where it is, right? Like, I mean, I really like the climbing culture a lot. I feel closer to it in a place like Canmore, mm-hmm. where his, the history matters a lot. You know, it's, people are into it. Calgary's a, 
I mean, the whole mountain culture, the awareness of it. Yeah. I think in Ontario, it's always been this weird thing, you know, it's like holding on to this ethos of like, you know, we're a bold little area or something like, no, you don't really want to die on a 10 meter cliff because the pro sucks, right? Mm-hmm. And I don't, I don't know where it's going in Ontario, but it just seems a little bit in certain pockets really sort of, uh, I don't know how to define it. Like, I mean, just sort of egocentric or isolated, you know, where they climb is the best and they don't want anybody else climbing, but you know, they'll go to Red Rocks or Mm -hmm. Kentucky and that's pretty much their experience on everything. Mm -hmm. You know, because if I'm making sense, you know, it just feels that way to me. Not that I'm not really a part of the bigger culture of it. I, I mean, it sounds weird. I still climb with about half a dozen guys who have been climbing with for 40 years, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you just stick with that, right? Yeah. You know, well, because it's, it's an interesting thing we run into because you've got, I think, all of these different currents running into each other mm-hmm. is, uh, you know, and, it, and it, it's not even just sort of like a generational thing because some of us that have been around for a while um, are cool with the, listen, Chaucy Limestone uh, bolt the shit out of it, please. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know? absolutely. Um, yeah, you know, and but then you'll get sort of twenty somethings talking about the purity. I know it's weird. You know, it's like yeah. what what purity? Yeah, like yeah. It, like basically, it would have been done that way only because there was another better option. Yeah, you know. Yeah, uh, because most of the uh, Randy got permission from any of the first ascensionists before he retro bolted a rattlesnake. Mm-hmm. And all of them were like, yeah, like it was scary as shit the way we did it. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. Right. And, and I mean, if you don't want to, don't clip the bolt. Just yeah. Put that little RP right beside that bolt and see how you feel. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and I, I guess it's, <laughs> and maybe it's because it's young people who haven't sort of gone through that yet where they're like, yeah, there's no need for this. <laughs> yeah. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like. But I go on a limb. I think, sorry to cut you off, yeah. but I do think a lot of Ontario climbing now has become very narrow. It's not expanded. They don't go to Squamish, you know, a lot, mm-hmm. or they don't go yeah. to the Rockies, or not to say you, you have to go to Yosemite, but, you know, if you just go to sport climbing areas and you feel like if you're starting at 512 and up and everything else is worthless, that could really screw with your head a little bit on what's really important. Yeah. Yeah, because I, I know. I, yeah. Like, personally, like, my favorite thing are long, moderate multi pitches now. Yeah. You know? Love them. Like it's yeah. it's kind of an adventure. Yeah. Uh, what do you think? Because you know, obviously, you named a bunch of routes. Mm-hmm. What do you think about the the whole naming controversy thing that's going on now that, about offensive route names? Well, yeah, I had to think about it for a while. Um, I, you know, at first, it, you kind of you kind of work through it, mm-hmm. right? At first, you say that's stupid. You guys don't know the backstory to the naming or whatever. Like. It came up with somebody reached out to me on Facebook about uh, the, the climb female belay slave. Mm-hmm. And my ex-wife named that because she really wasn't much of a climber, but she really helped out the climbing community that made sense. Yeah. You know, it's like she would come out and belay us and try stuff and, you know, and do a lot of stuff and really help with new routing. And, you know, and one time she just sort of said, man, I'm just a female belay slave. <laughs> and Jess and we yeah. said, hey, okay, this is female belay slave. And it worked out that way. 
I get it in the sense of, you know, things have changed, and I think people don't care about the backstory. So if they see the words female belay slave, well, slavery is bad, and that's degrading to women. I don't know. How do you get the backstory? How do you yeah. get, get what's relevant and why it was there? I don't know. Yeah, short of it but being in the guidebook. Short of it being in the guidebook, you know, it's an oral history that's probably going to die out. Mm-hmm. I could see people finding it offensive. Yeah. You know? You know, but well, would people really care? I don't think they care. About well, the and that's all, that's the thing you that know? I'm trying to figure out is that like is, um, especially up here, mm-hmm. um, are like any of the the sort of juvenile like double entendre names? Yeah, are they keeping anybody from climbing? I don't know. Yeah, like that's yeah. you know. I don't know. Um, because, I mean, I don't know. I don't know what the what's yeah. on the list really, right? Yeah. You know, so that'd be interesting. You know, I, th- I know there are some pretty vulgar names, and you think, yeah, you know, we were pretty young and stupid and thought that was funny. Yeah. Okay. You know. But. Well, that, and that's just the yeah. thing. Like, yeah. Put your name's on it. And <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> you yeah. know, and you can uh, yeah. take it for whatever, but. Yeah. Yeah, like it was. So you take responsibility because it's there, right? So it's yeah. there. So, so, I mean. Whatever. Am I against changing it? No, I'm not. Yeah. Yeah. You know. I think. Go, you know, we go back. Go back to the old school. You know, it's like the uh, the Schunard Becky. Just give it. You know. Yeah. It, it'd be like the smart, you know, whatever number. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just name it. Yeah. yeah. Number fourteen. You, you know? know. Yeah. You can't be offended now. Yeah. But no, no. Because it, 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 it's, it's an interesting argument, and I mean, you know, yeah, there are some pretty offensive names, mm-hmm. and they probably should be changed. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And I don't see this as an issue. You for know. me yeah like it, yeah. It, what, what I find sort of interesting with it is just the uh, you know the, the the sort of those those same or changing cultures uh, over mm. time you know because a lot of the like when I when I get the first the first guidebook was not the one from your brother but it was the, the that I got for the, oh the it's the red plastic one yeah way yeah, back yeah. in the day yeah 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 and then I got like the the uh White one, the white one. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and then you know, so but it, but it's that kind of thing where a lot of the route names, and of course, I was a teenage boy, so I thought yeah. they were hilarious too. Yeah, right. Um, and and I think there's one of those things where people get that feeling of like, oh, you're taking my youth. Yeah, right? but but I think it's nonsense. Well, Sorry, think, you're taking my youth. I don't get that. Well, because these are all the things I did when I was young. Oh, got yeah. it, got right. it, got yeah. it. Yeah, I did a lot of stupid things when I was young. I take a lot of it back. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I mean, I think also too in that time period when we were starting to climb in that you know later seventies, early eighties, you know, we were more into punk yeah. music, like punk culture. Like you had, you know, groups like the Battered Wives. Like who's going to call themselves the Battered Wives now? Mm-hmm. Right, yeah, it's you like know, dead Kennedys, the Daglo abortions, yeah, Daglo abortion, oh, yeah. bad brains, you know, like he just went on, and then yeah. then the song names are totally different. So I mean, it just was a part of oh yeah, okay, let's call this, you know, fuck you too, right? You know, and it all seemed fine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was well, way, you know, because a two things we never thought anybody would really bother, and that climbing would never be important, <laughs> yeah. and it would just be us sort of thing. Yeah, and it was part of that kind of you know rebel punk culture yeah. right well, yeah. and, and, and that's kind of where it came out of mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. not saying it was the smartest move in the world sometimes yeah. some of these names but 
Well, and I guess I guess that's what, the thing too, because at the time, like, did you have any clue that thirty, forty years later, people were going to be climbing the routes that you put up, like over and over and over again? Like, not you know, to the like popularity it, it is now. There's yeah. no way of grasping that. I mean, I think when gyms started coming, you think, hmm, okay, this is going to be more better place. Helps us during the winter. Mm-hmm. Sucks here in the winter. And we live in a city, so this is great. Yeah. You know? Um, mm-hmm. But no, I could never have seen the explosion or the mainstream. Or like the idea that climbing is going to be in the Olympics, like yeah. rock climbing. Mm-hmm. Or even like modern bouldering, like the bouldering competitions. Yeah. Like it's 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 wild. It's parkour yeah. and climbing. Yeah, I'm totally addicted to watching. Yeah, it. like I can't do anything. Yeah, of I can't. No, like, <laughs> <laughs> when I lived in Hamilton, I'd go to Climbers Rock, and then they had that whole modern bouldering thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you just go in there and tear your shoulders off, right? Yeah. And you just yeah, like run across three. Run battles. across and you grab a balloon, half a balloon on the wall, and it's just like, what do I do now? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then, you know. then, like you said, you watch eleven year old come up and just smoke you on it. Yeah, and you're yeah. like. That doesn't make any sense. Yeah. I can't bend that way. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know? Well, and I guess, I guess too, it's like basically whether it's, you know, competition, rope climbing or bouldering, they've got to make it entertaining. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. So that sort of becomes one of those things where if you want yeah. people to watch it, you better see some freaky shit. Yeah. Otherwise, like if it, if it was like slow, you know. Well, like the first... Like the first climbing competitions at Snowbird. Yeah. They're kind of boring. If you ever look back yeah. on them, you should watch them again. They're like people going up, holding, climbing a little bit, down climbing, chalking up. Yeah. You didn't have the time limits the same way. You Not the same way. Yeah. 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 Now it's like, it's got to be go. Oh, fast. Yeah. yeah. And. You got four minutes. Get that done. Yeah. And, then, yeah. and you know, the routes are much more dynamic. Yeah. And they're, they tend to be binary. You either pull it off. Hmm. You know, or you you're, you're flat out. Yeah, you're done. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like there's not a lot of the, uh, you know, especially when the, when you see the high level stuff at the world. Oh know, yeah. Top level. Yeah. Um, you're just like, okay, that doesn't make any sense. No. You know, that it, somebody can basically both have the massive strength and then that athrobe- acrobatic yeah. ability. And, and that goes to all the training part too, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And and, the, and who would have seen it? Like even back when we were talking. To the Europeans in Yosemite, I don't even. I mean, they were always further ahead in the climbing culture, and the climbing culture is a big part of their culture in certain areas, mm-hmm. you know. And it's a huge part of you know outdoor culture mm-hmm. in Europe. And mm-hmm. um, I just could never have seen it here, yeah, the way it is now. Well, I think I think one of the interesting things we uh, almost, you know got held back a little bit because everything was uh, so focused on the Yosemite. Like that was, Oh yeah. You I know, think so. Seen as real climbing. Yeah. Right. So that was what everybody was striving for. Yeah. So then, you know, it was later that things like, um, you know, the red river gorge, the new river gorge, mm-hmm. like all of these places that are amazing mm, climbing. Got right. Yeah. Um, uh, but they're just not on that same scale. Did yeah. they come after Yosemite? As far uh, as its popularity for climbing? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Devo- you know, destination yeah. and all that? Okay. Um, I mean, but, you know, I think in most things, even art, culture, and sports, you know, the kind of the center of all this stuff is usually where the, you know, the least change happens. Yeah. Right? Like, I remember being in Yosemite when Todd Skinner was working on one of the routes there. I can't remember the name. Um, and people were coming by and throwing food at his car and yelling at him and, 
letting air out of his tires and yelling, you know, and he was like sieging this crack. Hmm. And it was not what you did in Yosemite. And, and you know, and then up in Oregon, you had uh, Alan Watts and those guys, you know, at Smith Rocks putting stuff. It all happens on the periphery yeah. of those centers. And Yeah, because that's sort of really where North American sport climbing came out of. Yeah, yeah, it did. And then, you know, in here, and I, I don't know why we still hold on to a lot of it here. You still get, like you said, you get these guys are 20. Like, I think somebody went out and chopped. My brother bolted uh, strike one. And we went over there a few years ago. And there was the original piton that he put in 30 years ago, which would be totally crap. Mm. And it looks like nobody climbed it. So we put in bolts. And some 20-year-old kid came and chopped them and got all aggro about it and. Yeah, whereas yeah, it, like, yeah, you know, doesn't make sense. Like, especially so many of those routes are never going to get touched again. Yeah, unless mm-hmm. and Demo North, nobody yeah. was touching that stuff. Yeah. Like, I mm-hmm. mean, we pulled out dirt and grass, and nobody had climbed a lot of that stuff. You know, yeah. and I, I basically found the sort of the same thing. Like talking to Gus, it's like uh, if you can have safe climbs. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we'll all agree that it's difficult to safely protect a lot of the limestone stuff we yeah, have. Yeah. Like, you know, via, via traditional protection. Then go ahead and do it. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, uh, there's plenty of places that are suited to sort of, you know, bold trad climbing. Yeah, but safe trad climbing too. Yeah. Like New Hampshire, the gunks. Yeah. You know. Like, you know have Adder. Yeah, right? Adirondacks too. There's great climbing. Yeah, it's the same yeah. thing. Like, yeah. and you you've got you put a cam in, yeah. it's not going to skate out, no, or shift a block, yeah, or fracture some little weird stuff in there. Do you, know? you think there's yeah. going to be more accidents as a result of this? The lack of, I mean, I, I would no, say people coming really. from the gym, they want to sport climb. Yeah, yeah, they do because they're afraid. Most of them are afraid to do anything but. Well, right? and, 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 and rightfully show us so yeah. they haven't done it. Yeah, yeah. So it's just a select few who are doing the trad that have this attitude, right? Yeah, I guess, yeah. And I think it's one, it's almost that kind of thing. It's somebody who's been added enough to be dangerous, mildly, (laughs) like, you know, from a climbing standpoint, like mildly skilled. Right, okay. Um, But, uh, you know, still sort of unsure of their place in the hierarchy. So it's like kind of this, you know, exerting. Good way to put it. Kind of that, that, uh, you know, Basically, in a sense, it's an insecurity, right? Because who who's like so offended by bolts, mm-hmm. right? Uh, mm. You could have places where they're done poorly and all that kind of thing, and that's a different yeah, story. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's not their wall. Yeah, well, because yeah. that's over one of the things that that I've run into. Just skip them. Yeah, that's my attitude. You don't want to clip it. Mm-hmm. You don't have to. Yeah, mm-hmm. nobody's yeah. making you. You know, but fundamentally, I think it's it's a lot of climbers feeling that like we own the cliffs right? yeah you know yeah. Yeah. yeah that's a new thing i think much more so than before you know because really if you think of it it's like all the southern ontario stuff is all halt and conservation yeah um and then up here you know really other than baldy which you know sort of in a roundabout way the climbers do own mm-hmm. yeah yeah um Everything else is like by the grace of, you know, yeah. some bureaucrat somewhere. Well, Devil's Glen, I guess, is in a park, right? We're allowed to climb there. Yeah, that's actually... Yeah, it's, it's weird, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. 
And then um, the Swamp is on Federal. Yeah. Yeah. And Medcalf. Yeah, because they're really on the same chunk of property. Yeah. Um, so locked out there. Yeah. And then Lion's Head's sort of up in the air. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Always yeah. has been. Yeah. You know, because I know they just put up a bunch of new no parking signs yeah. down on Moore Street. Yeah. Yeah. So now it's a little longer walk for people. And I think when you have when you have sensitive areas like that, having that ton of people who've learned to climb outside, but they've come from the gym and they don't really have a background in the outdoors. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. You're going to get more, probably more friction with the locals. Yeah, I think you're right. I think, you know, like the first time we went to Lion's Head, met John Candor. I think it was in the Adirondacks. And he said, yeah, Steve and I climbed to this cliff. We did a few routes, not much there. That was Lion's Head. So we went up to it and I was like, man, there's tons here. Yeah. But then the guy at the end of the road was a local guy. And this is when there's nobody around, right? And they'd go mm-hmm. in and say, hey, can we cut through your property? Here's, you know, here's a case of Molson X and bottle of rye. And he's yeah. like, yeah, sure. And then we'd leave our tents there and we'd climb there all week. Weekends, we'd go down and teach rock climbing, leave our tents. Mm-hmm. Nobody cared. But I think, you know, you can't compare then to now because mm-hmm. the, just the sheer volume of, and people parking everywhere. And I don't think it's just climbers there at Lion's Head. No, it, I think it's a lot of hikers. Yeah. And the, the park has screwed themselves, I think, in a way because they took that trail and put a chip. You know, they widened it, they cut it out, mm-hmm. they made it sort of more accessible, incredibly accessible. Mm-hmm. When you get uh, enough people over enough time talking about how wild the climbing is there, mm-hmm. you know, if you're a real climber, you climb a lion's head, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? And then you add in the fact that they have no infrastructure whatsoever for it, None. right? Yeah. You don't have parking lots, you don't have accommodations, you don't yeah. have, you know, it's just not well set up for. Yeah. The amount of traffic that amount of cliffs could handle. Yeah. And I think the park owns some of that for opening that trail. But then I think, it, you know, like we used to camp at Medcalf. Um, you know, where you come up to the wall and then you can go up along the ledge. And yep. there's all the easier moderate routes. And yep. then that whole area to the right in the woods, nobody seemed to care. Mm-hmm. But then again, you know, there was very few of us. Mm-hmm. And then once things became popular, then you get people staying. Then there's more garbage and mm-hmm. then they're parking all over the road. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and I think yeah. That's a I mean, it's a yeah, it's kind of a romantic idea. Oh yeah, back when we were climbing, nobody was around. Blah blah, go anywhere. But the reality is, it's not just climbers; it's hikers. It's, bikers. it's everything. Oh, yeah. Mountain yeah. bikers, and you know, how do we have a shared user group? Yeah, you know, and how do we do that? Like, I mean, it's a hard question, and it's going to be really tough for Lion's Head. Yeah. Like that, because the sheer amount of rock that Lion's Head has, mm-hmm. combined <laughs> with the accessibility issues, not just from a logistics, which mm-hmm. is bad enough, but then a bunch of them you need to wrap into. Yeah. Like, it's not a beginner place to go. No. Yeah. Uh, no. And, you know, I think what you run into is like a whole lot of people who are good climbers, like from a, what grade they can climb. Yeah. Get in over their head because they just don't have the technical know-how. Yeah, like because the, the I've only been climbing up there a few times, but I remember the first time we went. Like if we didn't know because we wrapped in the wrong spot because it's not right. super clear where to wrap. No, no, you know to get to certain routes. Yeah, um, and it was a thing where then I ended up like jugging up the line all the way to the top. And then figuring out from the bottom where we were. <laughs> and then oh, wow. Moving everything okay. Over yeah. And then going down. Yeah. Yeah. You know, 
but uh like that took me that could be tough yeah probably what 20 minutes of pressing up the line uh, yeah you know and it's, it's one of those things where if you didn't have those skills and you you wrap in and then yeah. you're just fucking stuck yeah are you swimming back yeah true yeah, yeah. you know um yeah and that that sort of i think you have like an advanced area combined with with no access really like as far as parking and well white bluff suffered the same thing right they used to be able to park on the end of the road and then i think that sort of changed and you used to be able to park up more on the road but now you can't park anywhere along that road and you have to park at the uh, bruce trail parking spot way around the corner and then walk in yeah and that pretty much killed off that cliff yeah cause yeah yeah and, it, it, and this is the thing that I always find hilarious with climbers because I've done climbs where my approach was like, you know, six hours. And because it's it's something wild and out there, six yeah. hour approach, that's okay. Well, you know, they never climb in the Rockies for sure. Um, okay, everything's uphill a long way away. Yeah. Yeah. You know, whereas it's one of those things. It's like, ah, uh, we can't part. Uh, we have to. No, we're not walking. <laughs> yeah. well, most climbers we meet, like in uh, Keene Valley, yeah, they're not back. They're not outdoors people, right? Yeah, they're so climbers. They're oh, okay. Yeah, without being outdoors people, right? Yeah. Like the number of times from you know various you know like climber enclaves we've been into. Yeah, I'm not really into the outdoors. I just really like climbing. Yeah, no right. Way. So okay, so like, yeah. The, the, yeah. like they only camp because. Yeah. They have to. Yeah. yeah. It's just to go climb and they don't really like camping. It's just how you get there. Yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. You know, and it was, so for us, it's like such a strange thing because we love camping on its own. Yeah. And yeah. we love hiking and we love climbing and we love, you know, so it's all yeah. of it kind of feeds itself. Yeah. And it's funny because they come in, you know, they're young and they yeah. have really nice vans and they have lots of food and yeah. <laughs> Good so setups. we end up eating their food because we have all the fires <laughs> going, and, which is fine. Yeah. <laughs> it's all good. Yeah, because you've probably, <clears throat> like, you've, you've been down in Keene Valley before. Oh, yeah, a lot. The, yeah. the climbers camp right at Chapel Pond. Okay, yeah, I don't stay there much. I go usually stay at the uh, ACC cabin. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, and just camp there. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because basically... ACC cabin? Yeah, Montreal section has a, a cabin down there. Oh, okay. Yeah. They have a 100-acre plot and they have a hut and you okay. can stand too or you're just camping and usually just camp there oh cool yeah and water and yeah 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 because basically right down by um chapel pond slab right um, yeah because you know where the chapel pond is yep. um just north of that on 73 camp. yeah there's like a whole camp off in the woods yeah yeah and so it's it's the best place because literally once oh, you it's park a 10 minute walk to chapel yeah the, it's 10 minutes let's yeah, 15 minutes through. to the slab 10 minutes over to uh, uh, the climb right by the pond. pond. Yeah. yeah. You know, then it like the washbowl and spider webs yeah. are yeah. across the street. It's a great spot. Yeah. 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 You know, like it's great to park and unless you want to go out for dinner. Oh, shit, we just gave it away. I it's, think a lot of people know where that is. Well, it's... It, we, <laughs> Maybe. Okay. Yeah. You know. I got a question. Um, you've been climbing all your life and you continue to climb and go on adventures. And yeah, how yeah. do you fit it all in? Like, and how much, oh, here's the first question. How much time of your year do you spend on going on adventures? Cause I have a feeling it's a lot more than most people. Yeah, probably. Yeah. So trips and stuff, I always try and work it in. I try and take as much time as I can. Yeah. Unpaid if I can. Yeah. 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 Cause yeah. what, what field are you in? 
I was in industrial relations, so it was like labor relations. Mm-hmm. So I do contract negotiations for corporations with unions and arbitrations and mediations. I did a little consulting for a while, but you know, depends on when the economic climate is, how that works out. Yeah. But usually, working with big companies. Good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, because there's a whole generation yeah. now, right, with yeah. COVID, that you don't have to be at the office. You can remote work. Yeah, I was right? remote working yeah. before. Oh, okay. It was a French company. So the nice. head office was in Burlington, but it worked from home. So yeah. I had to get be close to the airport. And you're not far from the airport here. Flying was my big thing. So I worked from home to organize meetings in different cities across Canada. Okay. I was a national director for labor relations. So. The big thing was talking to people, organizing, and go there and deal with the problem, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, and then come home. Got it. Okay. And so that's kind of been a lot of my career. Yeah. Doing that kind of thing, sometimes going to offices. Yeah, but even now with this whole remote work culture, it's even better for any everybody. Yeah, I think it's probably it's, the it's way it's going to be. Yeah. yeah. You know, now you don't have to necessarily be where the jobs are, but as long as you can sign Do the in, work. live but where I, you want to live. Yeah, and I think the problem was like I. Again, I probably wasn't, you know, the most loyal employee because I would take the job knowing that I wasn't going to stay with you more than five years. Yeah. And in that gap period, I would... Yeah, but today, nobody stays at a job for more, like millennials <laughs> for one year, two yeah, yeah, years, yeah. so that's all right. That's, You're that's screwed loyal. anyway after five years, right? <laughs> and in my position, usually if the CFO or the CEO's changed and everybody else changed... For sure, and, yeah. You know, I was like... Ugh. Yeah. And I never really bought into corporate culture anyway. I needed the money yeah. and yeah. I wanted the money and it... Yeah. Allowed you to do what you want to do. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then in the gap times, I would go skiing in the Arctic or, you know, go do other really? things. Yeah. Was that your picture then out front when we walked in? There's a picture of somebody. Um, that must have been you pulling a sled. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Where was yeah. that? Baffin Island. We were wondering. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Yeah. Friend Brad and I, we did a lot of skiing together and we went up there and ski toured. Okay. From Broughton Island down. Very cool. Yeah. So what's the next adventure? What's the next pushing of the limits? Oh, I don't know. I don't want to feel like I'm pushing limits okay. as much as I'm enjoying and doing Just something enjoying. else. I don't know. It's weird with COVID. Like I wanted, like some some guys we've been talking about. I want to go to Greenland and do some skiing or climbing there. And um, in a few years, I would like just to take the year and just go across the world. Yeah. And see how that's about. Yeah. But I don't know. Everything's weird now. Yeah. You know what I mean? It like is. you can't plan. I don't think you can plan for the next 24 months. Yeah, we, we didn't know yeah. if, you know, a you really month can't. or two ago whether we were even going to be able to come up here. Yeah, Like just weird, traveling right? from yeah. one part of Ontario yeah. to another part. And now part. it's so expensive to come up here. Everybody wants a cottage. They want to get away. Yeah. yeah. City, right? Yeah. yeah. Good time you bought your place. <laughs> we are really lucky. Yeah. 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 Saw uh, like one of the realtor signs, you know, like uh, on 26. It's like... Uh, Lakefront condo, $950,000. Holy shit. Oh, yeah. It's like, God. well, that's uh, Toronto prices. <laughs> oh, it's Toronto prices up here for yeah. sure. It's crazy. Like just around the block, there's these $5 million mansions. But, you, you know, the young uh, generation, they're not going to be able to afford a house, right? They're going to be renting, They're gonna, which gives them more cash flow to travel and do stuff. Yeah, it could be. So. I don't know. It's always like you kind of date yourself it's how old like oh well, i bought a house but you know my first house i bought it was 23 mm-hmm. percent interest rate yes so 
Yeah. You know, and it went to 19. It was like, woohoo, have yeah. a holiday, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, no, it's so, like two. <laughs> <right> yeah. <laughs> it, it's kind of relative. Yeah. But then, you know, that, but at no time was everything open to you either. Yeah. yeah. You know, like, yeah, you grew up in Toronto and you could say, well, I want to live in Rosedale. It's like, nah, that's not an option. Mm-hmm. Right. Unless you do these following things. Yeah. What yeah. does it mean? I don't yeah. know. Yeah. 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 It, it's a, it, it's a relative issue. You may not be able yeah. to live in Toronto. You have to live somewhere else. Yeah. 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 I mean, my daughter lived in Canmore for the last six years, and she's moving to Invermere because she's the only place she could buy a house. Because I think for the longest time, you were saying, like, they the idea of working from home, mm-hmm. a lot of companies don't want to do that because they don't think, they think you're just going to jerk around and not do anything. Yeah. yeah. But now that they've had to, and they're seeing that people are actually more productive working from home yeah. than they were in the office. We could have measurables. It's easy, yeah. you know. You I'm have, sure you yeah. could. Yeah, it's easy. Yeah. You know, so. and I think that's made it. And I think because now a lot of them have seen that, uh, wait, it does work. Yeah. Uh, this actually is a better idea. It's cheaper. <laughs> yeah. I guess I'm always cynical about corporate culture, even though my whole career was in there. I think to just grind you if they could. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, if, <laughs> if they could pull yeah. you back in to squeeze yeah. you for more, they will. You know. Yeah. yeah. If but, anything, though, yeah. Yeah. But, but the fact that having people have some more flexibility and work from home is actually been more productive. And obviously if they shrink the actual commercial space they have, it can save the money. Oh yeah. It makes you sense. Know, you know? Yeah. And until that, until sort of like a forced experiment happened, a lot mm-hmm. of them probably wouldn't have believed it. Yeah, that's true. Right. Eh? Yeah. So answer your question. I don't know yet. <laughs> that's okay. It's part of the adventure. Thanks for being on the show today. Oh, thanks. Yeah. That was really fun. And sharing yeah. with I didn't us. know what to expect. It was really fun. I didn't want to ask you either. Just wanted to see. Go for the ride. Uh, the more we can get people exposed to different ways of thinking, mm-hmm. right? Because basically your your youth into your adulthood was unconventional. Yeah. I think. But you still ended up fine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Against all odds. Yeah, you know. <laughs> but, but it's that idea of like that... The, the predetermined path that everybody already visualizes mm. isn't the only path. All of a sudden, your brain starts coming up with a ton of different ways of doing it, right? It, but just understanding that it's even possible. Right. Well, I, right? Think it's, I think it's really inspiring that you've kept adventure in your life. You, oh, you thanks. You made that yeah. a priority. You yeah. Know? And I know I certainly want to do as much of outdoor things as, as long as possible. And yeah. Keep, but you have to keep active, right? Yeah, you do. You have to keep at it, right? Yeah. And do other things and... I mean, it's always about moving forward in whatever you do, like gardening, yeah. you know, or your interests in food and outdoors or where you're going. It's just like, hey, what's next? You know, yeah. what's yeah. what's the next thing? Yeah. It's kind of fun. You know, before before we started recording, we talked. It's like in the last couple of years, you got into more extreme mountain biking. Yeah. Right. So you're you're doing jumps and drops and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Like, Yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Bad, badly like a but, but few it, weeks ago. Yeah, but but it's that kind of thing where yeah. like it's like it, it. You're not just doing shit you're already good at. Yeah. Okay. Right? Yeah. 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 You're you right. Know? Yeah. Um, it's the same thing. Like uh, you were telling us about, you know, having done CrossFit for a bit, you got into competing in Olympic weightlifting. Yeah. 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 You're right. Right. Yeah. Well, you know, and that that's just sort of like a different left field thing, but. If it's something that sort of sparks your passion. Yeah, follow it. Right. Right, yeah. It's yeah. Just part of that moving forward. Like, what else is there sort yeah. of thing, right? You know, yeah. because it's one of those things where at a certain point, like, let's say climbing, mm-hmm. 
we all reach a point where we're not going to get any better at it. Yeah, or get worse. You know, yeah, <laughs> it's inevitable, right? Like now. Yeah. But, but it's, it's that kind of thing when you're discovering new things to do. Yeah. All of a sudden you get all the newbie gains again. Yeah, yeah it's fun. Yeah. And yeah. you learn things. And it's all relative to where you're at. Yeah. You know, and yeah. kind of making me think about myself too. It's really interesting. This Because you kind of reflect back. It's like, hey, now you're making me think, why did I build a house? Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Yeah. But I think back to the, I, I built a house on the Bruce Peninsula. Mm. It was one of the first houses I had. Mm-hmm. And you kind of think, yeah, why did I do that? Oh, it's the same ways I looked at Olympic lifting. That's kind of cool. I should do that. Yeah. yeah. Right? You know. Well, there's lots yeah. to be learned. Yeah. More new things you do, like that challenge you and make you uncomfortable, the yeah. less old or the slower you get old. <laughs> but you keep kind of that that enthusiasm of youth because you, you're finding things that excite you yeah you know and it can because really when you think about like the difference between sort of youth and adult a lot of it is that youth is sort of unrealized potential but is excited mm-hmm. and adults we've sort of narrowed our paths down that we don't have as many uh options per se but we're actually doing something right you know yeah and it's when you when you just sort of stop doing new things that you just sort of stop doing anything. Yeah, you just yeah. get old. Yeah, yeah. You do. You know. That's a good point. And you just have to yell at people to get off your lawn. <laughs> yeah. Or do you think people just don't do stuff generally? Well, I think they that exist. It, you know, I think, I think it has a lot though when you have a family, you have kids, right? Yeah. You, you, that's a big transition, and you give so much of yourself. And I mean, I took my kids everywhere, right? When we we mm-hmm. started, we started with the. The camping, and it was kind of problematic because they're so different. Like it was easy for my daughter and I to hang out because mm-hmm. she skis, and you know we went backcountry skiing. And Cameron would ski, but he wanted resort skiing, not backcountry mm-hmm. skiing. She'd mountain bike, but he liked road bike. Mm-hmm. You know, and then we some of the only happy grounds was canoeing and things like that. But it was really really interesting for them to yeah. do it and. He would be into playing guitar and making models, and she'd just want to go and run. Mm-hmm. Right? And yeah. That's the tough blend. Yeah. yeah. I'm seeing that in my kids. Yeah. A little bit. Good luck. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Yeah. We're going to wrap this one up. Thanks for being on the show today. Oh, thanks. Yeah. That was really fun. Yeah. So until next time, work hard. Play dirty. Take 13. <laughs> Anyways, I'll just get right to it. I just wanted to thank everybody that participated in this contest. Thanks for tuning in. And the winner goes to DJE345. Contact me about how you can pick up your set of Niagara Scarpment climbing books, generously donated by Gus and Justin of Ontario Climbing. And this is a real special collector's edition. They've signed it. We got Reg Smart to initial his favorite climbs in it. So uh, that's pretty cool. I'm kind of envious that I didn't get one for myself. But uh, hey, that's just the way it goes. So had a lot of fun doing this. And thanks to everybody for tuning in. So till next time, work hard, play dirty, stay safe, and see you at the crack. Bye.